mentions of reading it. And, of course, it got lost in all this mess that I have in my Bible, all these notes and little things that I, I think about and then I write them down because, uh, you know, the enemy's pretty strong. And if you don't write down some of your thoughts, he'll just take them away from you. So I've just made a habit over the years that when God gives me a good thought or something, I write it down. And so sometimes it's just cluttered, and then all at once it all comes together. And then you have a message. But that's not the beginning of my message. This is concerning an article that was in the National Geographic several years ago. It reads like this, After a forest fire in Yellowstone National Park, forest rangers were going through the forest estimating the amount and extent of the damage. One ranger found a bird, literally petrified in ashes, perched on the ground at the base of a tree. Somewhat sickened by this eerie sight, he knocked over the bird with a stick. When he gently struck it, three tiny chicks scurried from under their dead mother's wings. The loving mother, keenly aware of impending disaster, had carried her offspring to the base of the tree had gathered them under her wings extensively knowing that the toxic smoke would rise. She could have flown to safety, but had refused to abandon her babies when the blaze had arrived and the heat had scorched. When the blaze had arrived and the heat had scorched, because she had been willing to die so those under the cover of her wings would live. And then it quotes Psalms 91.4, He will cover you with his wings, and under his wings you will find refuge. I immediately thought about the cross of Christ, because he does this often, but he was covering us all with his wonderful wings while he underwent everything all the sadistic hand of man could force upon him, and he covered us with his wings while he took the torment of everything that should have been ours, and we escaped without a scratch. Thank God for his wonderful love. Let's stand tonight for just a moment. Lift our hands and our heart and everything to heaven and thank God for the privilege of being able to walk into the house of God. Father, we love you tonight and we're so thankful for your divine word and your blessings, Father, and for your spirit which is so ever-present and so enlivening to us and so enlightening to us. We rejoice, Father, in the cross of Christ. We rejoice, Father, in the blood of Jesus Christ. We rejoice tonight, Father, in your name, and we rejoice in the Holy Spirit, Father, that's given us place and room to worship you. When flesh would not, the Spirit rises up with him, and honor goes to the Master. We love you tonight, Father, and so appreciate you and you walking with us continually, day and night. We love you, Father, because you first loved us. And we thank you for hearing our prayer tonight. We thank you for the service thus far and for the blessings you have bestowed upon us. And we'll give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
You may be seated if you wish, and I'll have several scriptures, so I don't want to ask you to stand with the scriptures, because I have several. We will be dealing with some very old and maybe too unfamiliar scriptures, because once we pass beyond a place, we always want to look forward, but the Bible does tell us to look back and look to the rock from whence we were hewn. And it behooves us sometimes to go back where it first started in our lives and in the life of the church and understand what we have. I guess if I had a title, it was What to Do with Our Blessings. What do we do with our blessings? You see, we always come to the house of God seeking blessings, and we should, because we need them. Well, what do we do with them after we receive them? I was reading in the beginning of the book of Acts, and I noticed as the opening of the book, the individuals was assembled together, and Jesus told them not to go anyplace until they were endued with power from on high, which is the promise. God said, you've heard of me. <laughs> Thank God. Seek the Holy Ghost. He says, you've heard of me. <laughs> What's that tell you? <laughs> that tells you who the Holy Ghost is, doesn't it? Yes. And uh, then he said, you've been baptized with, truly, John truly baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And of course, their mind was not on going any place. They was with the Savior. And they was enjoying the presence of the Lord. Much like we do in the Spirit, they was enjoying Him in spirit and in His personal life, the flesh. And they wasn't interested in going any place. What they was interested in is, when are you really going to completely restore the kingdom? <laughs> and sometimes that's about all we're interested in. <laughs> God, if I can just hold on... <laughs> If I can just hold on, barely hold on until you restore the kingdom. But Jesus wanted them with an eye of faith to look farther than just right then. Because God had a plan and he'd already spoke to them about that plan. But something about it simply didn't sink into their being. And he had talked about his kingdom. He talked about what was going to have to happen to him. And Peter even rebuked him because he said he was going to die because... He didn't understand the beauty of God's wonderful plan and God's desire that no man be left out of the kingdom of God. And so he simply said, that's really no concern of yours now. I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to tarry there until you be endued with the power from on high because he said the promises made to you and uh, I want you to be sure and do that. And then he said, after giving that last command, the Bible says he ascended into the heavens. And as he began to ascend into the heavens, which was a blessing in itself to see gravity loose the feet of the one that they had walked with, for three years and a half, and what a blessing that must have been to watch the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were just 
looking at him and maybe looking at one another and said, did you ever see anything like that? Look what God has allowed us to see. We walked with him and talked with him and, and watched him crucified and watched him raise again. And now then, here he is. Up, up, up he goes. Insomuch that they were so enthralled in their blessings that they forgot his command. You know where I'm getting? Sometimes we get so enthralled with our blessings and we need it that we forget His commands. Okay? We need blessings. We have to have them. We need a life. But that is not enough. Let us not forget the command of the Lord Jesus Christ and what the blessings are to do for us as well as for other individuals. What a blessing it was. And yet, they said, what are you standing here for? Have you forgotten already so enthralled with all of this? Two angels came down and had to get them out of their stupor of blessings. And said, what are you standing here for? This same Jesus that you have seen go away. It's going to come again in like manner as you have seen Him go away. But in the meantime, before He does, there's a job that has to be done. And whether you understand it or not, you are an integral part of that job. So Jerusalem, you have to go there. And go there they did. And everything wasn't maybe glorious when they first went. As we have expounded before and you have drawn your own conclusions about it. Of course here was different men of, of uh, different styles of living and different educations and uh, just different outlooks on life. And individuals coming together to stay there for ten days and wait for something they didn't have the slightest idea what they were waiting for. I thought, I think sometimes it would be good if God would just lock us, ministers and saints of God, from all walks of life together until we finally agreed on something and set the world on fire by the power and loveliness of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. But He sent them there to get all these erroneous things out of our mind and get one thought in our mind and come with one mind and in one accord for one thing. And then, after they had wrestled among themselves and prayed and fasted and God only knows what else, that might have done until finally they came where Jesus knew they were going to come in one mind and one accord. And when this happened, you know the story, we have received what came from there? The Holy Ghost descended. Thank God with fire, tongues of fire sitting on each of them. 
And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What a blessing it must have been to be there in that upper chamber of that upper room. Hearing and feeling and knowing God was doing something that He had never done before. Hallelujah. What a wonderful, wonderful place to stay. But the Bible says they came out of the upper room. They left their communal blessings. They left their unity where alone they were there all thinking the same thing and all uh, wanting the same thing and they left that unity of those blessings and came outside of that upper chamber into where the multitudes were knowing there would be divisions and laughter and mockery around there. But they understood after the blessings comes the commandment Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are you saying, Brother Hostel? Blessings is good, but what do we do with them? There's a world out here waiting to see the blessedness of Holy Ghost-filled Christians living their life under the throng and power of the Holy Ghost as we walk out of this building entire world filled with animosity and filled with hatred and filled with divisions and filled with individuals that's going to mock us. And yet, out they came. You see, it's the nature of man to want to stay where the blessings of God appears. It's our nature to enjoy one another. Did you ever notice how it's hard for us to leave <laughs> when God blesses and we just say, God, can I just stay a while longer? And yet something inside of us says, you can't stay here. You can't get anything done here. There's nobody here but you. Spirit-filled individuals, your work is outside the church building. And so out we go to face a world that seems not to care, to endure the mockings and the scourgings of mankind and all of that, refusing us, accepting us, whatever, putting us down, lifting us up. But out we go realizing we have been inspired by the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives and knowing we can do the job. Can you say amen? We can do the job. Hallelujah. Now, we don't realize that these blessings are given to us to impart to those who are outside the blessings of God. They don't know anything about your Holy Ghost. Neither did the multitudes know anything about the Holy Ghost of the 120 until they came out 
of the upper room. It's so nice to stay in an upper room atmosphere, isn't it? It's so nice to feel and to know and you'll find unity which is certainly not in the world and you finally find it among God's people and it's so nice and so comfortable. But the command is still go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In other words, this was not just for the 120. This was for all the world. And so out they come, wanting to impart the blessings God had given them in the upper room experience and came out speaking in the language of these individuals gathered, Israel gathered from the utmost parts of the world. It just so happened to be the day when as many could would come to Jerusalem. Isn't God a sovereign God? And He brings them out of that upper room with a new experience and a church is born and they don't care what the world says. Hallelujah. Too much. Too often we are ashamed sometimes of our experience uh, if we're outside by ourselves. That's what's a privilege of being among people that believe like we do. Amen. Amen. That's a blessing. And I'm not obscuring that that is something we need. But the blessings are not to be kept selfishly in the sanctuary of our own lives or in the sanctuary of the church. They are to be taken out and shared, if not by word, but by action. With a smile on your face and a light that lightens your steps and with something inside that is exciting about you as you face the world with everything it has to offer and still lift eyes and arms and heart to God and with a smile on her face defy the powers of the enemy to destroy our life and our walk with God. And mankind cannot help but notice. But when you become so encumbered and when you forget your blessing so completely after you walk out of the house of God and you uh, become your own grumbling, grouchy, selfish self where people can't see the power of God inside of you. Nobody, I say nobody, is wanting to have the God you got. You walk outside and you say, what a wonderful service we had last night. But that was last night. Today's a different story. I'll tell you what. Devil's been on me all day, bless his holy name. And I just don't know if I can take another step or not. What happened to the blessing? What happened to your God? What happened to the Holy Spirit that got rejuvenated? What's happening to the command after the blessing? Amen? 
God's talking to us. He's talking to me. Yes, He is. He's talking to me. Have you ever asked yourself what would have happened if those individuals had not obeyed the last command of Jesus? We wouldn't have a church. We wouldn't have the Holy Ghost. We wouldn't know too much about the blood of Christ because there would be no church to tell us about it. But those individuals realize this is not going to be fun. It's not near as much fun as watching gravity lose its force. And it's near, near as much fun to see two angels. And it's not near as much fun to hear the words that says that same Jesus is coming again. Even so, come Lord Jesus, I'll be right here when you come. That wasn't what God wanted to hear at all. And so, they left their blessings and they went to the upper chamber in the upper room in Jerusalem. A place prepared for the Last Supper and a place also prepared for that 120 that was going there. Lavishly furnished. It had been known as Zion. <laughs> oh, what a fitting name for that Zion. That church. It's going to be born from here. And so they went. And they tarried. They worked out their problems. They stayed in line. And then it's time to leave all of this now. Hey, you guys ready out there? Peter might have been the spokesman then too. I don't know. Are you guys ready to go out and face the opposition of the world after receiving this glorious power? Are you ready to do that? And so, out they come. Hallelujah. The first thing they faced was somebody that said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter had the answer. We are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. It's come. It's born. The church is on fire. Sent all the devils in hell scampering. And then they started mocking and laughing and Peter preached on. What would have happened if they would have stayed in the upper room? The same thing that happens here when we just stay in the church. Nobody would have been saved. But after Peter's message, because the command weighed heavy on them, and the blessings had been there, and they came out with the blessings upon them, and Peter's 
wonderful message, 5,000 souls came into the kingdom of God because they came from their blessings, carrying their blessing to a world that need a blessing. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. And then a little later, 3,000. 8,120 strong. And then it began to go. And Jerusalem was running over with wonderful, spirit-filled individuals. And nobody wanted to leave Jerusalem. Lord, don't take me away from my blessings. I need it so bad I can't make it without it. If God hadn't been good enough to us during our Christian experience to trust Him any more than that, we got big problems, saints. We've got big problems. All right? And so... God says, I'm going to have to do something to get these people out of here. They can't stay here. I told them to start here. I didn't tell them to stay here. And so persecution started coming. A lot of times we don't understand Sometimes things come in our life we don't don't understand. God's trying to get us out from our comfortable pad where we sleep and get us out to the world and try to feel like they feel and sit where they sit. And do your best to enthuse them. My wife and I was coming to church tonight. Of course, her mind was on certain things. She's singing a song that God had refreshed her memory with. And she was rehearsing that. And I was thinking on a message that I'd never really preached before. And I just jotted down. And I'm so far I've been able to read what I wrote down without it being typed up. And I'm doing a pretty good job of that because uh, I didn't have time to get it typed up. And she said, we sure are a talkative bunch, aren't we? I said, yeah, we are, but I tell you what, we're going to have to get sighted. (laughs) Brother Tyler always says, I get sighted. (laughs) We're going to have to get excited before we go in that church. Amen. Amen. And so we can't get a point. My wife fails <laughs> but we make it a point to get as excited as we can when we come into the house of God, regardless of what we have been through and whether you believe it or not, all things are not niceties with us either. 
And we try to get some excitement generated, not by my flesh, because it don't like to get excited about God, but the Spirit inside here and says, wait a minute, I am the dominant force tonight. I am the one that you need to look to tonight. You get excited about me dwelling in you. Hallelujah. Used to be a country western song. Said, let me hold you in my arms like a dying calf in a thunderstorm. And sometimes that's what God does to us. <laughs> Holds us and loves us. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And we didn't look it up. Just, oh, we just can't take another step. And did you ever notice, now listen to me, did you ever notice how when the outside world needs some encouragement, we are dis as discouraged as they are? Huh? Now why is that? Because the devil doesn't want you to impart anything. To those individuals, regardless of how they feel, and regardless of how you feel, inside is the power of the Holy Ghost, and when these individuals need an uplift, they ought to be able to come to you and watch the fervency of that Holy Ghost reverberate within you and let them know everything is under control of God's power. Rather than to walk down that lonesome path with them and say, Well, I understand how you feel. Yes, I understand you. Hmm. Instead of saying, Hey, yeah, I feel like you do. I hurt just like you hurt. But I've got a God that has blessed me wonderfully. And I just want you to be upbuilded and uplifted by Him. And I want to present Him to you and to walk with you during times of destruction and loneliness and heartache and sorrow and desperation. A God that has never failed me. And if you'll just get Him inside of you, He won't fail you either. And lift Him up. Amen. Lift Him up. Lift Him up. Lift Him up for the world to see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus... In Acts 14, and you don't have to turn there unless you want to. Jesus had did a great miracle. 5,000 or more was fed with loaves and fishes. Two loaves and three fishes, three loaves and two fishes. Somebody help me. <laughs> Okay, okay, all right. 
See, it's not wrote down here. And senior moments grab. <laughs> All right. Okay. And he sent them there on the ground. He says, now, you just take this and you break it and you pass it out to those individuals. And after they got through, there was 12 baskets full left. What a wonderful place to stay. Oh, God, let's stay here and we'll go get another fish and a loaf and we can break it and we can just eat here and stay here under the blessings of you. But the Bible says that Jesus constrained them. Now that word comes from Greek. It means threatened them, entreated, forced, or persuaded them. I don't think Jesus ever forced anybody to do anything, but He did have a great power of suggestion. And so He said, I want you to get in the ship and go on the other side. He almost had to push them in the ship because of such a blessing of sitting there watching that miracle man work a miracle. Oh, we long for miracles, don't we? We like to see crutches hang on the wall. We like to see demons cast out and all of that. And I believe one of these days it'll come. But miracles in itself never saved anybody. It just brought them under the hearing of the divine Word of God. And so they went. And they hadn't any more and left those blessings till a storm appeared. And immediately they forgot about the miracle worker. They forgot their blessing. Because if they had remembered, he said, go to the other side. He didn't say that whatever happens, you're going to flounder and drown in the deep. He just said, I'm sending you on the other side. And of course, he let them know that you're never out there by yourself anyway. Hallelujah. And he came to them as they was laboring and rowing and giving up hope. And he came to them walking on the water. Now if they had not, left those blessings. They would never have seen another miracle of Jesus walking on the water and of Peter walking on the water and of the Word of God stopping the storm and most other than anything else when they got to the other side, the Bible simply says, if I can find it someplace, must be in here. The Bible simply says, And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about, and brought into him all that were diseased, 
and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. If they had not have done that, these individuals would have been devoid of the healing virtue of God and the power of salvation in their lives. When Peter and James and John was on the mountain when Jesus was transfigured, can you imagine? Oh, no, he wasn't completely disrobed of his divinity. But he was transfigured in so much that their eyes could still behold him, but knowing there was a difference in him. 